This show is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Daniel Aaron Dilger of Apple Insider and Roughly Drafted Magazine. He'll talk about the ins and outs, mostly the outs, I think, of Google I.O. We'll have a security update from Dr. Timothy Summers. A lot more is going to come on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of AppleInsider.com and on a rare, rare occasion from Roughly Drafted Magazine. Before we get started, Daniel, Will you ever go back to that blog? I'd like to do some other projects, but the biggest problem is I don't have fully full control over. There's so much stuff on that site, and I have to redevelop it and get it together. It's just like a huge <laughs> headache to think about. So I haven't been working on it very hard lately. But I have people that still translate my articles in other languages. And so they asked me to write a link to some article that's been translated. So I think there's now like six or seven different languages that my old articles have been translated into. But that's about the the extent of updating that I've done recently. It's interesting to look at those old articles, how right you still are years later. You know, not to toot my own horn, but I think the reason that why it looks so correct now is because I was looking at things without an objective. I wasn't trying to make something happen or trying to hope people would do something that they're not going to do. I was trying to point out what I really thought was happening. And so that kind of freed me from a lot of the bias that people in general have, you know, if you look at the tech press, they either want something to happen or, you know, more scandalously, they, they want to make their own company look good. And so they say things that just really aren't true. And so it's easy for them to be wrong. And it was from the opposite perspective, it was very easy for me to be right because I was trying to look at things and say, this is what's actually happening. And people were like, oh, no, that can't possibly happen. <laughs> you see, what bothers me also is the fact that lots of members in the press don't ask follow-up questions, don't do their research. So they're constantly bringing on a person like Bob Enderly, who is an industry analyst with paid ties to certain companies who are rivals of Apple, and he makes pronouncements that are almost universally wrong. The guy never gets it correct. And no one says, at least for balance, oh, by the way, his last 97 predictions were all wrong. There's a lot of examples of that with individuals like that, and also entire research companies. I mean, they kind of exist to flatter a company that they work for. And I think it really boils down to just lazy journalism. People are trying to put up a bunch of stories on a deadline. And if they have a convenient source that gives them a story, they write it up. And a lot of times you see people seeking out a quote that tells them what they want to have in their story. They've already decided what they're going to write about. And I've had journalists ask me that, you know, they ask me for a quote on something and they basically are telling me what they want to hear. You know, it really makes you wonder how are you reporting if you're just looking for quotes to back up what you've decided? It's like you're writing a thesis or something. 
Now, in a situation where you give them a quote that may not be what they want to hear, do they ignore you? Do they just turn you off or what? I remember a couple of occasions where I've given somebody a pretty good quote and they just don't use it because it doesn't fit their, you know, the narrative that they're trying to put together. And it would really be in their benefit, you know, if somebody says something that is out of alignment with what a lot of people are saying, you know, that should cause you to think, why does this person say this? And, you know, sometimes they've been dismissed because it's like, oh, he has this fascination with Apple. But, you know, to anyone who went into the past, they would also have a fascination with Apple. You know, if you time traveled into the past and you looked at what was happening, knowing what's going to happen, you'd be wondering why everyone was saying that Microsoft, after a series of failures, was going to turn things around all of a sudden. Or some company that has no capacity to do anything is suddenly going to outmaneuver a company that's, you know, like Apple's is today. There's just so much wishful thinking and there's a lack of questioning. You know, when you see a quote from somebody, like you're saying a, a, a source that's just not ever right, or if you have very carefully couched data from a company and you say, hey, what does this mean, though? For example, when IDC comes out and they say Chromebooks have overtaken Macs in the, in the Q1 in, in the U.S., why only the U.S.? And is the U.S. in Q1? Does it matter that Chromebooks are all almost entirely selling in education? And that Apple sells to education in Q3 and Chromebooks are kind of selling all the time. I mean, there's, there's a number of, of questions you can ask to be like, wait a minute, that what you're giving me is very cherry-picked data that overall has no real market significance. And the only reason you could possibly be gerrymandering this very specific comment to create a story out of is if you want to create an impression that isn't really true about where things are headed or what the current state of the market is. And they very effectively created a bunch of stories. People, you know, IDG companies and all the other clickbait sites printed this story that says, you know, suggests that Chromebooks are now an important platform when they're really not. There's not an addressable market. It's not even a commercial market. It's K-12 education. And the reason they bought them is because they're $150, not because it's something that you could develop software for and sell. We live at a time where school systems, especially in the U.S., are cutting back. Look how we save money in the budget. We gave people a tax cut. That means school systems don't get the money or they transfer to local school systems that have to raise property taxes. And at the end of the day, they don't have the money. They can't buy iPads. They can't buy MacBook Airs. If they want to have a notebook computer, they want something real cheap because that's all they can get. I mean, $150 notebook computer, it's a toy. And you have to wonder, at that price, who is making money from it? Why build something if there's no profit? Just to do play acting? What? When they introduced Chromebooks back in 2009 as an idea, they saw it as being something that the enterprise would, they would appeal to the enterprise. And it didn't for a number of reasons. One was the strength of Microsoft at the time. And as time has gone on, there hasn't been a, a change in that. And they changed Chrome OS a couple of times that made it act more like Windows, a more conventional desktop sort of environment. But it's, it's, it has never taken off, even though it has a huge price advantage. So they looked at schools as something that, you know, American schools are so underfunded that they're willing to buy hardware that looks cheap. And there are some advantages to Chromebooks. If all you're trying to do is put a keyboard on the screen in front of people, then for a very basic computer, that's a very cheap way to do it. And they have management features that they sell on top of that. But there is no money in K-12 selling these 
super cheap devices at a hardware loss. And Google makes no money from Chrome OS because they can't even put ads on it for kids. I mean, they can't effectively advertise. So, you know, what is their point? Well, they're trying to create a market that will eventually be attractive. I mean, they're working on a product, but they've never been working on it for seven years. And that's kind of a long time to be massaging a platform into existence that anyone could that could appeal to anyone. Since Chromebooks were introduced, the iPad has taken off. And even though iPads peaked and then came down, I think that was mostly a consumer thing because we've now moved towards larger phones. Um, and it is one part. Also, a lot of people have already bought an iPad. So it's kind of the GoPro effect of you have a, a good product, you don't need to immediately replace it. But um, going forward, if you look at carefully at what Apple's saying, they're constantly talking about how they're making enterprise partnerships and developing tools to build significant software that enables enterprises to do things that they couldn't do with a larger, thicker Windows tablets or a conventional notebook. Now, let and, me just go in here for one subject before we go on to Google I.O. And that is, there was a report the other day that one of the school systems, I think in Maine, indicated that Apple agreed to swap out iPads for regular MacBook Airs, evidently at the same or similar prices. Now, we have only about 20 seconds left here, so I'm going to just talk about something else, and we'll have your answer, Daniel, on the other side. We have a special feature of the show called Tech Night Owl Plus, and you go to plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com. To learn how the feature works, we offer an enhanced version of this show free of the network ads. And it's really something I think you're going to like because we have other features in the works. The subscription fees are modest. Our price cheap, as Mad Magazine once said. And you go to plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com. Daniel Aaron Dilger coming along with Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Owl Live. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved 
loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Injuryhelpdesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. This is a healthcare alert from the Pain Relief Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one suffers from knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain and have Medicare as your primary insurance, we've got great news. You don't have to suffer any longer. You can immediately qualify for a pain relieving brace at little or no cost to you by calling our 24-7 pain relief hotline at 866-389-0620. Delivery is free and all paperwork is handled for you. If you are on Medicare and have knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain, don't wait. You can qualify to immediately receive a pain-relieving brace at little or no cost by calling our 24-7 pain hotline now at 866-389-0620. Our representatives are standing by 24-7 to take your call and rush you your pain-relieving brace at little or no cost to you. Shipping is free and all paperwork is handled for you. Just call 866-389-0620. That's 866-389-0620. Again, 866-389-0620. Has your body ever gone low blood sugar feeling weak, shaky, knowing you better eat something fast? We all know high blood sugar can lead to many metabolic problems. At GCNteam.com, we have a healthy blood sugar pack, focusing on the structure and function of stable blood sugar. Find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Nothing feels worse than unstable blood sugar. Call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. On the Tech Night Out Live, I asked Daniel a question in our last segment about Apple swapping out iPads for MacBook Airs. What's your response to that? There was a, a school district that got iPads. Uh, I don't know the full details of it, but they decided that they would rather have conventional notebooks. And there was some comments saying that you know both teachers and faculty thought that they were going to be better suited using a conventional notebook type system. Apple sells both, of course. They, you know, they have MacBooks and they have iPads. And there are advantages and disadvantages to both. And one of the primary advantages to iPads is, is that they're less expensive. And the swap out, what, what Apple's calling a refresh, is they gave favorable pricing to um, create a new lease for uh, MacBook Airs. 
so I think the original, I mean, their typical pricing is something like 270, it seems like. And they gave them a, a discount that was closer. It's a, it's a leasing price per year. So they gave them a price that was closer to the iPads because the price of a MacBook Air is higher than uh, what the state reimburses local schools, I think. And so they helped them to get underneath that by giving them preferential pricing on Air so they could move to Macs. But, it, you know, it depends a lot on the curriculum. It depends a lot on how teachers, um, how much they're taught to use something. I mean, you can use any device somewhat effectively. Uh, if you have a background in teaching on a conventional computer, um, you're going to be better at doing that. If you have uh, worked on mobile solutions and have an MDM system that works with iOS, um, that's probably going to make that more attractive. So it really depends on the environment of each school. But Apple's kind of working, and I would like to see Apple do more with MDM, and they're working with enterprise partners. And some of the things that are applicable to the education market are also uh, of value to enterprise users. And I think that some of that is going to boil down. It's going to increasingly make it uh, give Apple better management tools for classrooms, because that's one of the strengths that, that Chromebooks have right now. Is they're very just they're extremely simple netbooks that you can just kind of. Um, managed and, and kids can't really do anything else with them. I think one of the complaints with iPads is that kids can play toys on or, you know, kids can turn them into a toy playing games on them. That was something that was brought about the LA school district. You know, they were really worried that kids are playing games on them. And that's a, a problem with management device management and B I'm not sure that it's really a problem that kids are playing games. I mean, they shouldn't be playing all the time, but having kids just do homework until they're exhausted. There's been, studies looking at how kids learn in other countries and we're not doing that good of a job. You know, if, if we compare what we're doing to some of the other advanced countries, um, it's not because our kids aren't working hard enough. It's because we're not giving them time to think. We're not allowing them to play games. We're insisting that they focus on things that are you know, not helping them develop and not developing critical skills. And so I think, you know, there has to be some balance in both regards, but let's go to Google IO. All right. Now, I'm kind of wondering about this next version of Android, Android N. I was looking for a candy equivalent of N, and I found brand names like Nestle, but no specific candy. So already it's a loser. They have nerds. <laughs> that nerds? Okay. Oh, Android oh, N nerds. That sounds like a shoe-in, but... You think so. But what about this stuff that doesn't really relate to what you expect from a smartphone like an add-on for virtual reality? Is that like goggles or something that plug into your Samsung? That's something that Samsung's been pushing now for, uh, I think that thing came out a year ago. And also HTC got into it. Every company that, that makes hardware, hardware of any kind, especially smartphones, is looking for a way to make their devices uh, more premium and, and attractive buyers at that price because they all make phones that are as expensive or even in many cases more expensive than the iPhone. It's just that they can't sell them in any quantity that matters. And that's really where most of their income comes from. I mean, most of their profits come from selling higher-end devices. So there's always been a drive to make that. And, you know, we've seen a various waves. You know, for a while it was 3D, 3D, and they actually had 3D screens, and they had 3D cameras, and you could take, you know, depth pictures. Turns out nobody wants that. And they didn't sell. So none of them were making 3D things anymore. The second thing was curved screens. They kept talking about curved screens. And everybody was asking, you know, when is the curved iPhone coming out? And it's like, how is that a benefit? How is it a benefit to have my phone not lay flat? I mean, it's just such a, a gimmick. Well, how about we, a tube? Let's have a tubular 
<laughs> yeah. And they're talking about flexible phones. You know, that's an interesting technology, but not every interesting technology is a, you know, immediately saleable product idea that is going to change how people buy things. And I think one of Apple's biggest strengths is being able to look at things and say, here's a technology that we can own, first of all. We can put it together and build it faster than anybody else, and we can deploy it, and we can give it, we can give it features that people will actually want. So, you know, Apple's, if you look at their thing every year, there was Siri, there was Touch ID, um, Apple Pay, things like that, that increases the value of the phone. So people are still buying iPhones, even though they cost more than the super cheapest Androids, because they have smart features that are well thought out. And what the thing with VR is there's a lot of hype about it right now. And there are some practical applications of that. I'm not sure how much money is coming. Because, you know, when you hear Facebook made a big deal about it in partnership with Samsung. And what Facebook is trying to do is kind of similar, except that they don't sell the cell phone. They sell the ads that you sit through. So Facebook is not trying to get people to buy because you don't pay for Facebook. They're just trying to get people to sit there in front of Facebook all the time. And so their motivation with Samsung, it makes more sense for, I think, Facebook. Because if you're sitting through watching videos, then you're in Facebook's world and they can advertise things to you. For Samsung, it if they can sell this idea of VR, then you're buying hardware from them and you have to buy a more expensive phone because VR is computationally intensive. And even for PCs, I mean, just recently some, I can't remember who actually said it, but somebody was saying that, that they're not going to bring VRs to Macs because Macs don't have powerful enough graphics. And, you know, really the what you're bringing to, um, to bring VR to a platform, you're probably going to have to have specialized graphics, not just fast graphics. And one of those things is something that I think Apple is going to be building into uh, the next phone that does a lot of things with uh, depth perception and um, having two lenses. And um, so, so the whole industry is talking about VR as a, as a hope to sell more expensive hardware. And that's why one of the articles that I just wrote, I mean, I was saying, you know, people are saying that no one's going to buy an iPhone anymore because $650 is too much for a phone, but they're turning around and saying with VR, everybody's going to buy a $700 phone and they're going to buy a pair of goggles that costs at least $100 more than that. That's a huge contradiction in logic. Because if, if people are going to buy hardware features, expensive premium smartphones, a, a computer that you carry around with you, if they're going to invest in buying hardware, who are they going to buy it from? A company that has consistently produced high-quality hardware that people actually have bought? Or these companies that are coming out with fads every year that don't quite hit where the market is willing to pay for? I'm going to ask more about the features for Android N. Maybe it's nothing? Daniel Aaron Dilger joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, 
Get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Vaping enthusiasts, head to VaporPalace.com. Choose from over 150 flavors and a selection of exclusive private stock vapor liquid you won't find anywhere else. New flavors are added every month, and our customer service is unbeatable. VaporPalace.com offers 15% off all vapor liquid on Fridays and get 10% off every order with coupon code VAPOR10 at checkout. Combine the codes on Fridays for 25% off. The ultimate destination for the vaping enthusiast. VaporPalace.com. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shot the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at slowquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors not available in all states. Do you have dry hands or itchy, peeling skin? Are your cracked feet in need of a makeover for sandal season? Hi, my name is Diane Cook, the creator of B-Spa Hand and Foot Cream. B-Spa is all natural, 16% beeswax, marigold extract, and other essential oils and nutrients. B-Spa is great for exceptionally dry hands and feet, but B-Spa can be used anywhere on the body. I am sure you will see a difference overnight. B-Spa is the only cream you will ever need. The convenient 2.5 ounce size jar travels nicely and a little goes a long way. B-Spa hand and foot cream costs $29.99, Use promotion code 101 for free shipping. Order B-Spa Hand and Foot Cream today at bspa.com. That's B-E-E-S-P-A dot com. That's B-E-E-S-P-A dot com. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call a place for mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. 
On the Tech Night Out Live, Daniel Aaron Dilger is here. We're kind of summarizing Google I.O., which was last week. So we have virtual reality, which is a high-end feature. What else is new, different, better, whatever, in the next Android? Android is ships differently than iOS because every year Apple comes out with a new version of iOS. And by the next year, almost everybody has, is using it. Like within a year, everybody upgrades. And there's a huge surge right at the beginning. Like as soon as the new OS comes out, a ton of people upgrade. With Android, that doesn't happen for a number of reasons. One is there's not one company that's managing the rollout of software. And Google would like to be that. Google would like to be the Apple of Android, but they don't have the power to. And a couple of their initiatives to do that, including Android 1, was supposed to blow out the last version of Android, which is Marshmallow, M, Android 6, came out last year alongside iOS 9. And in a year, instead of being on 80% of the installed base, yeah, iOS 9 is now at like 84%. Android has had the slowest rollout of any version that I've seen in a year. It's now at like 7, 7.9 or something like that percent, which is 20% lower than last year when the previous version, Lollipop, had achieved about 10% in a year. I have figures here, Daniel. Uh, as of May 1st from Mixed Panel Trends, okay? So let's take a look at the figures here. Lollipop, which is L, two releases back, 43.59%. KitKat, 4.424.11%. So we have two versions, one of which is two years old, one of which is three, four years old, on which the total here is 68% of Android users. All right? 68%. Now... Android M, Marshmallow, is stuck in the other category. It doesn't even have enough market share to earn a separate entry. Okay? That's just the figures I have here. Mixed panel trends. As far as iOS 9 is concerned, as of the last indication we have here, which is May 25th, iOS 9, there are always a few points above Apple. Let's just be realistic. 91.44% iOS 8 6.51%. You see the difference, folks? Yeah, it's huge. And that's that's long been a problem. I've been writing about this since, you know, Androids first came out in, in around 2010 and started becoming, you know, relevant in the market. And it just keeps getting worse. And uh, Google has tried to address those problems in Android several times. It was 2011. They came out with this plan to have everyone just voluntarily join this update alliance that, you know, quite conservatively said, we're going to keep updating our phones for a year and a half, which is pretty weak to start with. But even, even that they couldn't do because these companies drop out phones that generally have an old version of, of Android OS that they ship with. And even modern phones, um, I was looking on the Verizon side just for an example, just to see what they had. And, you know, Verizon is kind of a top tier carrier in the U.S. And the Samsung S5 is not a brand new phone, but it's one of the phones that they sell quite a bit of. And they still have KitKat on it when they sell it. Now you can update it, but you can't update it to the very latest of everything. And also uh, Verizon has their own barriers in terms of how fast you can update it. It's not like an iPhone where you just plug it in and goes to Apple and gets in the latest updates. There's individual hardware differences on each Android phone that requires some input from the carrier and some input from the manufacturer. And so it really complicates the update situation. So that's been an ongoing problem that Google hasn't been able to solve. 
And since the Update Alliance kind of fizzled out and has now been five years ago, they've had a couple other efforts. Like I said, Android One was supposed to be this low-end phone design for selling into emerging markets for as little as $100 that could run Android's latest version. And yet the carriers didn't want that. They don't want Google having more control because they're not there to help Google out. They're, you know, they're in business for themselves. And so half of Android is sold by Samsung. They don't want to be just a PC maker beholden to Microsoft like the PC makers were in the 90s. Samsung wants to have its own operating system. And it's kind of failed in delivering that on phones. But it's trying to do that already with watches. It has its own Tizen. It's like a Linux-based um, platform that's different from Android. And all their phones are now running their own thing. They're not running Android Wear anymore. So that's a blow to Android's adoption in smartwatches because the biggest licensee that's selling the most little devices is not even running Android anymore. And if Samsung goes in that same direction with phones, it's going to be an even bigger problem. But just in general, I mean, all the, all the Android hardware makers have conflicting interests with Google, and they don't want Google to have this kind of control to be able to do updates and put Google's own software on their phones at their expense. So basically here, you can buy 10 different Android phones. And for all practical purposes, because of all the junkware that's on them, it's like running 10 different operating systems. Well, in many cases, there, there are a lot of variations. And it's not so much the difference of operating system, it's the difference of the kind of hardware on that. And well, yeah, but I'm saying that in terms of the added apps and features and stuff. Right. Another way Google's been kind of trying to address that is they know that they can't necessarily update all these phones, but if they update at least Google Play services, then uh, it creates a, uh, at least a targetable platform. So developers can write to a platform that all these different phones running different software can run, at least to an extent. And that's one of the things that they introduced at Google I.O. is this instant apps idea. And they positioned it as a way so that you don't have to download an app. You, you, you immediately click on a link and it sort of partially downloads the parts of the app that you need to, to do something. And the example they gave was, you know, shopping on the web, you click something, it downloads enough of the app to immediately bring you to like a product page. And they positioned that as being one, a, a benefit to users and two, a benefit for developers, of course, because it supports these phones they go way back in time, they're still running Jelly Bean. You see, that's is, another issue too like here. Era of if I'm a developer of Android and I want to reach the maximum amount of users because I want to sell my product, and I'm seeing that the vast majority of users, I said 68% are running two and three-year-old operating systems. That means I'm not going to be interested in whatever new features came out last year or this year for another year or two, because it's not going to reach enough of an audience. Yeah, there are some features that that is going to be a problem for. For example, uh, one of the new things that's in Android N is support for Vulkan, which is basically an, an alternative to what Apple introduced a couple years ago called Metal, which instead of using OpenGL graphics, which has a lot of overhead, it quite efficiently allows developers to, you know, develop games and things that, that are almost bare metal. So they're taking much more efficient use of the graphics processor. So Apple rolled out Metal immediately. All the phones that could run it immediately had access to Metal, including phones that came on along, you know, a year before they introduced this 
And then Apple brought it to the Mac and rolled it out broadly. So now if you're an Apple developer, you can immediately use Metal knowing that you're targeting the majority of the installed base, everything that runs on A7 or better. And, you know, if you compare that to what Google is facing, with Vulkan support only in its latest operating system, that means next year, you know, less than 10% of the installed base is even going to be able to use that. So why are developers going to target that? Why aren't they just going to stay with doing what they're doing and using OpenGL? So that's an example of features that having this slow rollout really hurts. And, you know, other things are um, things that are in Google's interest to do, sending out apps. But for, for a lot of developers, they can run sort of, they can use less ambitious APIs to target more phones. Um, but that is, obviously, that's a complexity and, you know, it makes it so that a lot of the apps on Android are not really creative, interesting things, but they're just kind of basic stuff that sort of targets the lowest common denominator, which has long been a problem in, in software in general. So Apple has really solved a problem that, that Google hasn't, and it allows them to move a lot faster. Let's go into our break and get more of this. On the other side, with Daniel Aaron Dilger and Gene Steinberg, you're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. We use mobile devices right against our bodies every day, but growing scientific evidence has emerged showing serious health risks associated with exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The solution is Defender Shield, the most effective mobile radiation shielding ever developed. Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation from cell phones, tablets, and laptops and starts at just $64.99. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. For 10% off, use promo code GCN. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in mobile radiation shielding. 
Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Joe Alton, MD of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family medical bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. That's store.doomandbloom.net. You'll be glad you did. Today, how to incorporate your business in just 10 minutes so you won't lose everything if you get sued. Step one, stop putting it off. If you're not incorporated and someone sues your business tomorrow, it's not just your business at risk. You can lose everything, your home, your car, even your life savings. Step two, call the following number for a free 10-minute incorporation guide from incorporate.com. 1-800-941-5257. They don't provide legal or financial advice. They just make incorporating quick and easy. So you can incorporate or form an LLC in just 10 minutes. That number again is 1-800-941-5257. Step three, congratulate yourself. By taking just 10 minutes to incorporate your business or form an LLC, you protected your home, your car, and your life savings. And that is how you incorporate your business in just 10 minutes. But hurry while they're still giving away these 10-minute incorporation guides for free. Call 1-800-941-5257. That's 1-800-941-5257. Would you like to receive $250 to $1,000 cash per day? Go to richmoneyrich.com. No website, no selling, no explaining. Just take these simple two steps and go to richmoneyrich.com. You can be generating cash in the next 24 hours simply using this system. Good news is it runs on 100% autopilot, and you don't need any experience to get started. It's easy. Get your share of easy riches and go to richmoneyrich.com. That's richmoneyrich.com. Go now. Brought to you by the Conservative Investor. Current returns not indicative of future results. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl. Live with Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Out Live, Daniel Aaron Dilger joins us. He writes for AppleInsider.com, and we keep urging him to straighten out the blog over at Roughly Drafted Magazine and get that going again. All right. I'm still listening here. I don't see much that's new in terms of new features. Forgetting the adoption rate. Forgetting who's going to support it. We have virtual reality. We have very equivalent of metal graphics. But what about front-facing features? What's new and different about Android N? I don't know. I'll have to like look at some more of the the ideas about it. So really, here it sounds to me like there's not a lot that's new. Well, I mean, a lot of what they're trying to do too is focus on their install base, which, which is important. That's why some of these features, like instant apps, are kind of associated with you know the new version of Android. But it's designed to be to work at least in a limited way on the entire install base. So it's trying to bring support backward, but you know, that's, that's ostensibly what they're doing. But at the same time, um, really what instant apps focuses on is the ability for Google to have search results that when you click on them, open an app. Cause right now the problem is if, if you try to open an app from Google search results, then if the user doesn't have the app, they may be distracted for any number of reasons. They may say, Oh, I don't want to download this app right now that Google's giving me in search results. And they may download it themselves later on. 
they may come up with a solution on their own later. But the thing is, when Google gives you results, they want you to immediately use them. And then with cookies or referral links or whatever, get credit for it. That's the whole purpose Google exists. Google doesn't provide search services to be, you know, humanitarian. They're getting paid to do it. The other day, Daniel, I looked at Google's income report for 2015. Over 90% of their income is from ads. Now, the online ad market is not as lucrative as it used to be because the way it works, you have pay-per-click, where every time somebody clicks or taps on an ad, the cash register rings. And that's almost like a bid price, so the prices are going down, so Google has to sell more ads to make up the difference. And they're depending not just on Android phones, but Apple. Apple gives a lot of money in the sense of generating income to Google. Yeah, because a lot of, like you say, a lot of it is display ads that you're clicking on. I think a bigger part of that is paid search, where it's paid placement search, where people are, you know, if you're searching for something, especially if you want to buy something, it's very valuable to advertisers to get involved in that. So that when you're searching, I'm looking for, you know, a a new car, advertisers want to say, oh, here's a result for you. That's how Google has been monetizing its search primarily is providing search results that link up to its partners. To be, here's, here's useful information for you that's also beneficial if you take action on it because this is an advertiser providing you with a search result. And that is at risk if people aren't searching Google for the stuff they want to buy. And one of the biggest threats to Google right now is Amazon because when people want to buy something, they don't say, hey, Google, where should I go? And Google says, oh, go to Amazon. People go to Amazon. And that's been a growing problem on the desktop. The people already know where to, to start looking for things. And it's becoming an even a much bigger problem on mobile. It kind of started out being a problem on mobile because Apple created a platform that was all about apps. It wasn't about the web. So on, on a computer, when you sit down on a computer, it's kind of natural to go to Google and to search. And like even if you're using Safari, you're using Google to search in the background. And it takes you to a web page and then you buy something. And that benefits Google. But if you are going to apps first, if you pull up Yelp and go to you know, find a, a business or something instead of using Maps or some other Google service to, to find it. That's a problem for Google because they're not in the loop anymore. And so a lot of the things Google is talking about now are trying to get itself back in the loop. And Instant Apps is a way to make search relevant so that you can find stuff and take action on it and Google gets paid instead of going to the apps you already use and not having any interaction for Google at all. Now, I'll give you an example about shopping. When I look for something online, about the first place I go to is Amazon. All right, so I'm bypassing Google. I'm going to Amazon. I then will sometimes check on eBay. Well, maybe I can get this item cheaper on eBay. We have smaller retailers who are selling that item. And if it's new, original box, full warranty, and the person on eBay has like a 99.9999% positive rating, you say, heck, I just saved 20%. I buy it from eBay. Google is not in that picture. Right, and they're missing out in increasingly in new ways. And in addition to uh, mobile, Amazon has started this thing with Echo, where it's a device in your home that, you know, it kind of starts out as being sort of a game that you have this thing you can talk to, but then you can place orders through it. And so they've created a new search bar for your home. And that's one of the other things that Google uh, is trying to copy and sort of derail with its own Google Home initiative. It isn't really out yet. It's supposed to come out later. And they're not really saying a price, but they want to do the same thing. They want to have a search bar in your home that's constantly listening and, you know, offering to hook you up with 
you know, whether it's ride shares or buying a product or whatever, Google wants to be involved. And so they're doing that. And you see, this is a big problem with Google. Every time they develop something, they pour money into it. They've got all these labs developing products. Very few of them have any commercial value. And I think one of the most blatant offenders with Google Glass. Sometimes they buy up a business. They bought up the Motorola Mobility Company, a company at the time, a handset division. And they also had set-top boxes for cable services. But the handsets, the sales were down. At one time, before there were smartphones... Motorola was one of the top makers in the world of mobile handsets, like the Razer. The Razer, everybody had Razer phones. They were really good. My son had one lasted years. Google buys the company. It's on the way down. They had to sell it off to somebody else. They buy Nest, which was founded by Tony Fidel, the guy credited with inventing the iPod. But since then, let's see, they came out with a smoke detector that had to be withdrawn because of a serious defect. And it's not making a lot of money for them. Google doesn't have a good record acquiring companies. They don't have a good record selling things. How many people buy Nexus smartphones? Other than search and Android, because so many people, so many companies license Android, what does Google do? Maps? It's still the same thing. It's targeted ads. There's a good reason why Google is failing at that, though. And I think it boils down to... Google has, it's very much like Microsoft in the sense that they are sitting on something from the past that makes them a lot of money. They've been sitting on ads. They've had basically a monopoly on search on the internet, which is very valuable. And it's generated huge amounts of money that's given them very little need to be selective about what they pursue. And so they run into every opportunity that they can think of and they have their engineers working on, you know, whatever plus 20% of whatever they want to do. So there's a lot of like kind of creative chaos that they do and they don't ever say no. So they bring products that are on their face ridiculous to market and they hype them for years and just goes on and on and on. And they keep talking about it like it's a real thing until they realize, Oh, this is not really making money and they cancel it. Some people aren't seeing this pattern, but it's really clear. And if you look at what Apple does, um, Apple did the exact same thing in the early nineties where they were just experimenting kind of with everything and they're doing a lot of things that, like, how are you going to make money on that? Well, you know, we, we hope that at some point it develops into something. But it, it wasn't working out for Apple. And one of the, the big things that Steve Jobs did when he came back was kind of slash and burn some of these far-off ideas and things that were not working out. And start over with really core things of, you know, here's the iMac, um, here's a good notebook, here's an iPod that I think is going to appeal to people. And every product that they did wasn't always a smash success. There was a couple things like the iPod Hi-Fi and things like that that didn't really take off um, for a couple reasons. Uh, But um, most of what they did was very selective. They had a very narrow product map. And now Apple is the biggest company on earth. And and Tim Cook is still talking about how they're proud that all their products fit on one table. Well, that won't happen if they come out with a car. Well, (laughs) they'll fit on one roof of a car. But the idea is that they're proud to be selective, that they're not just doing everything. They're looking very carefully at where they can add value and where they can add value and where they need to partner with somebody else or um, whether they need to, you know, in some cases they do identify things that they need to buy. You know, it's like we could do this in house, but it'd be faster if we bought it or be more effective if we bought uh, expertise in an area that we sort of know, but it's not our, our expert 
expertise field. That's very different from a company like Microsoft or Google going out and buying an enormous hardware company and then like assuming that it can do it better. So Nokia, Microsoft did that with Nokia. They like had to write off seven and a half billion dollars. Now they're writing off another billion dollars and basically firing the people that are left. And I have to think about the people who were left if, if Nokia kept those divisions within the core company. A lot of them would still have jobs. Daniel Aaron Dilger joining us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com This is an alert. If your business or church is building this year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. A general steel building can save you as much as half the cost and time of similar conventional construction. And we're offering rebates of up to $20,000 to help you build today. Call General Steel for free information that could save you thousands. Call 866-91-STEEL. 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 So you've got to take a state construction license exam or certification. Can't decide on what books or what chapters to study? Discover right now how you can eliminate unnecessary books and wasted study time. At ContractorExam.com, our study materials zero in on state-required test topics in an effective, multiple-choice format. So whether you're a plumber, electrician, general contractor, or other construction-related trade, ContractorExam.com will help get you prepared. Visit us at www.ContractorExam.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So let's look now, before we go to Microsoft unloading the handsets, let's look at Google. Self-driving cars. Now, what's the upside here? I understand the technology can be real valuable because obviously Tesla Motors is looking into that. The major automakers are looking into it. They say Apple, if they come out with an Apple car, will be doing it. But what's the upside to Google? Targeted ads in your self-driving car? Well, I mean, one of the things that Google is good at for in terms of both search and knowing how to monetize search with advertising is artificial intelligence and being able to analyze big data and things like that. 
So, I mean, there, there is some potential for applications. I mean, I think that kind of grew out of mapping because they saw how valuable it is for, you know, anyone from ride sharing to, you know, trucking companies to have valuable map data. And, you know, they bought things like Waze that gives you the best route to, to get to a place. Google has also been kind of distracted with things like robots. You know, how does that have anything to do with what they're good at, apart from being sort of a pet project for the guy that also designed Android and named it after that? It's very much a undisciplined exercise, I think, just to try to invest in everything. And it's, it's particularly puzzling for me, because if you look at the smartphone industry and how Google tried to get into it with this open, open source ideology of we're open and we're giving things away, and that makes us good, and we're open to letting people hack on things, that is not how Google made its money. Google made its money by having proprietary technology that it licensed or developed it had to pay other people for their patents. And then they turned around and say, oh, patents are worthless and we're going to stomp on all this intellectual property of everyone else in the industry, you know, obviously including Apple and Oracle and these other companies. How can you then turn around and say, we've developed technology for self-driving cars or production or whatever things they're working on, and we're going to monetize IP? You've already created a, a culture where IP is not valued anymore in the United States, unless you're a patent troll in East Texas. And... At that point, it no longer makes sense to be somebody who's creating IP unless you can figure out, like Apple, how to package it into a product that you can sell as a product, which is very hard to do. There are a lot of companies that have IP, you know, including Samsung. They know how to do a lot of things, but they don't know how to sell premium hardware very well, particularly in comparison to Apple. And most hardware companies don't have that. And even companies in, in the phone business that were very very profitable and very successful for a time, including, you know, Motorola and Nokia and um, a lot of the other big hardware makers lost their ability to compete when they started competing against Apple. So I I really don't understand Google's self-driving car uh, aspirations in terms of what they are claiming that they do. But, you know, a lot of what Google kind of claims is sort of phony. And this, the, the open source history of Android, you know, makes that pretty clear that, they're open when they have some benefit to, and when they're not, they're not. Yeah, I understand here. You can't just take Android and just make smartphones from it. You have to sign their agreement. You have certain restrictions on it. Open source means the real nature of the term is anybody could download it. Anybody could use it. Just sign an open source license. Anybody could modify it. Well, there's a couple of different kinds of open sources. There's the very open, like kind of ideologically, like software shouldn't be owned by anyone, Richard Stallman kind of open, which says that anybody who uses something has to contribute their contributions back to the community so that everyone is kind of progressing together. And that's a nice idea, but it results in a lot of problems. And if you're doing something commercial, you don't want to be connected to that kind of a license because it means that everyone else can just take everything you build and make copies using your intellectual property, which... You know, that's, that's just not something that commercial companies want to have happen. And, you know, companies like Google and even Microsoft have embraced open source in the sense of here's software that we're sharing and that we're even contributing back to. And we're building something on top of it that's proprietary to us. But we're still contributing back to this core software that other people can use. That's kind of a BSD license. And that's kind of what Google has also done. You know, they took Linux, but they built this thing on top of it. And they're kind of suggesting that Android isn't really Linux, so they don't have to contribute any of the you know, the viable layers of their product. Um, but yet, you know, they don't share any of the stuff that's really, really valuable to, to Google's business. They don't share their search algorithms and everything. 
so it's it's a little bit of a hypocritical show. And then a lot of the phone can't be open source anyway because you can't have open source on the radio end of the phone because that doesn't work out that way. I mean, you have to have secure um, networking. We have protocols and everything, but here's the thing with that. We have these phones, and obviously the companies make them, hopefully, try to make money. With the car, I can't see it. With Android Auto, I see it because it's a way of building an ecosystem so people can take advantage of this feature in their car if they have an Android smartphone that supports it. On the other hand, I noticed that most of the companies that have Android Auto support also have Apple CarPlay support because they don't want to take sides. They will take it from any comer. Well, they're similar to, to um, add support for. So if you're doing one, it's quite easy to do both because they're very similar in how they work. I mean, they're basically just providing sort of a second display for the, the phone. It's more complicated than that. But, um, yeah, it's, there was kind of this question for a while of who's going to back Apple and who's going to back Android. And, it's, you know, it's not that difficult to do both. Um, but when you t- when you hear about uh, what car makers are promoting, whether it's Apple Pay or, or um, CarPlay or anything, anything that they've supported Apple with, there's maybe sometimes an asterisk that says also Android phones or, or something like that. But it's very rarely that they really promote the Android part because that's just kind of thrown it on the side. And even though, you know, most places where you can use Apple Pay are also places you can use Google Play or Samsung Pay or whatever, but it has like an Apple logo on it and it's promoted for Apple. And I saw the same thing with the, the reports on CarPlay sparking driver adoption. I mean, people are asking for it so that the car companies that have, including GM, that have worked hardest to get it out to consumers are finding it's helping them to sell cars. But there's no mention at all of Android in that, um, Android's implementation of that in the story. That was like the Wall Street Journal or New York Times or something. So um, even though there's a lot of, I think it's fine for um, companies to do copycat stuff like that and, and benefit from the things Apple's doing. And I think Apple needs to have competition. But what we're seeing is Apple's getting most of the credit for things, even if it's not their invention, because they're very good at um, promoting things and they have the biggest, most valuable commercial installed base of users that matter. And we have marketing companies that keep telling us, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before, they keep telling us that market share matters in putting in a irrelevant bunch of market share that doesn't matter. You know, they say Apple doesn't matter in tablets because there's this huge volume of tablets being used as televisions in Asia. And it's like, well, that that is true, but Apple's platform matters in ways that's far beyond what any Android tablet is, particularly things like the Enterprise, where it's very valuable. To show you how valuable Android tablets are, I'm joking, two new models from Vizio TV sets include small Android tablets as remote controls. The thing is, however, that there are apps for Android and iOS, so if you don't play with the tablet, you don't use it, you set it aside, you could use your smartphone to run those TV sets. And we're seeing the same thing with watches, too. Um, IDC keeps coming out with these reports talking about how Apple is losing market share in watches. And the reason that they are is because IDC is counting activity bands from Fitbit that cost like $80 on average. And, you know, these super cheap bands being sold by a Chinese company. 
that's not an Apple Watch. I mean, you're comparing a device that's like three to five hundred dollars or more with something that you could impulse buy on Amazon. That's that's a creative way to create a market, and it's a creative way to create market share that sort of makes Apple look bad. But it's very clear that you know if the potential in watches is pretty much tied up by Apple right now in terms of electronic watches. So yeah, it's just I just try to be, I guess, critical of the information that's being put out there to show that, you know, the reason why they're being so careful in what they're wording is because what they're saying is not really true. They're creating a narrative that's not really true. We've got so much more to come on the Tech Night Out Live. We've got Daniel Aaron Dilger of Apple Insider. I'm Gene Steinberg. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. My computer is so slow, it's making me crazy. I used to have that problem. Did you quit using a computer, or did you buy a new one? No, I called Geeks on Site. They made an appointment to visit my home and showed up the same day. You mean they didn't ask you to bring your computer to a shop? That's what happened when I called a support company. Geeks on Site can go to your home or business or even repair your computer online. They have 24-7 emergency service. If you're having problems with your PC or Mac, call Geeks on Site. 1-800-591-1682. Our friendly certified computer repair experts are available 24-7. Call now for a free diagnosis. 1-800-591-1682. Data recovery, virus removal, and maintenance for all laptops, desktops, printers, and networks. That's Geeks on Site for friendly certified computer repair experts available 24-7 over the phone or in your home or business. Just call 1-800-591-1682. That's 1-800-591-1682. 1-800-591-1682. 1682. There's nothing more enticing and intoxicating than the finest meat cooking on an open flame. Freeze-dried meat from NewHarvest.com is U.S. grown, 100% all-natural with no extra fillers. Just grass-fed beef and free-range chicken guaranteed to stay fresh and delicious. Add New Harvest freeze-dried meats to your current food storage. You'll buy direct from the factory, not a third party, ensuring the best price and the highest quality. See all our products at NewHarvestFoods.com. That's NewHarvestFoods.com. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation. 
reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with reputationdefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit reputationdefender.com. The best kept secret in the firearms business is CDNNSports.com. CDNN Sports is the largest firearms liquidator in the U.S. We've got optics, accessories, gun parts, magazines, ammunition, and more. Sign up for our email specials today for the best gun deals, period. You will also be entered to win a Winchester 101 field shotgun. Go to Charlie, Delta, November, NovemberSports.com. That's CDNNSports.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger for one more segment of the Tech Night Out Live, and let's focus more on something you touched in the previous segment, and that was Microsoft buying the handset division of Nokia, and then over the next year or two, just throwing it all away because it's not doing it for them. So, are they ultimately, as it seems now, just going to dump smartphones completely? And where does that leave a Windows 10 phone platform? Well, I mean, they already got rid of their feature phone business, which originally they said that having this huge feature phone business was going to help graduate people onto Microsoft smartphones. And that didn't work out. Well, they're kind of late for that. That's like five years too late. Yeah. But I mean, that was part of their strategy. And, you know, if you really look at things realistically, that's what Android is doing for iOS is because... People go out and buy an Android for their first phone, and, and then they get an, an iPhone. And that's happening a lot. And the, the switching to iOS is becoming bigger, and it's growing faster as a percentage of Apple sales. They got the sort of effect right, but they got the market wrong. But now they're getting rid of kind of the smartphone, the Lumia operation. So, yeah, where does that leave Windows 10? There, there are a couple licenses, I guess, that are still around, but... In general, I think, I think Microsoft was selling almost all of the Windows 10 models, which there wasn't that many sales being made. That's why they're getting rid of it. I've heard talk about Microsoft trying to put itself on Android, but what they're talking about, uh, you know, like a layer of Android having their own platform again. But it may be that Microsoft sees itself focusing on what it's good at, which is producing software for other platforms. And certainly on mobile devices, that's not good for... Windows 10. Um, the big thing about Windows 10, it was supposed to be an all-in-one operating system. This is for the mobile device. This is for the tablet. This is for the convertible PC. This is for the PC. And they really thought that their installed base on PCs with, with Windows um, was going to, in some way, sort of benefit mobile devices because they would have, they'd have this sort of generic platform for apps that developers could write to the you know universal Windows app that could run on Windows and could also run on everything from tablets to phones running ARM. 
but that didn't really take off because why would people do that when they can just run stuff natively for for um, Windows and maintain the status quo? So that isn't really working out as a strategy either. And for the last several years, Microsoft has been focusing on producing software for iPads and having stuff that runs on a couple of different platforms. They're still focusing on Surface, and it'll be interesting to see how how that does in the long term and how sustainable it is. Because at this point, they're they're still selling sort of a minimum number of devices, and Apple's really taking some of the steam out of it with iPad Pro. So I don't see how that can slowly grow into a a business fast enough to make to matter. Surface also putting Microsoft into contention with all of its other OEMs, which also want to sell hybrid devices. They want to sell any kind of PC that sells at this point. And with the PC industry itself shrinking, that's things are looking bleak for PC makers. Also, Microsoft, by competing with its hardware partners, doesn't do well. So, for example, we have the Surface tablets, which I guess are doing passably well. Maybe they sell, what, a couple of million or something like that? It's impressive for Microsoft to be selling that many uh, notebooks. I mean, the number of notebooks they're selling is something like, you know, they're approaching to be like a third or half of the quantity of Macs that Apple sells. So, you know, it's kind of impressive that Microsoft is selling any, not not quite half, maybe a third. But uh, compared to iPad Pro, I mean, Apple's already outselling them with iPad Pros. And Apple has the advantage of having... ARM hardware that they can sell at a lower price at, in a similar performance. And people keep talking about, oh, I, iOS isn't a real operating system. Well, it's real enough for enough people to where they're out selling the Surface. So how many quarters can they go along selling a, a million or a million and a half Surface tablets? I don't see how that's a viable market. Now, the other question is, what about other PC companies? If Microsoft is taking the guts out of the market, however big it is, where does that leave their partners? Yeah, it's a very low margin business. So I mean, we hear a lot of a lot of the big PC makers are trying to kind of isolate. I mean, HP just split in half where they take all the valuable stuff and put it in one and put the PC business in another business and are hoping it, I don't know what they're planning to do with it, but things are not looking good for conventional PC makers outside of Apple, which is continuing. I mean, this last quarter was bad because they blamed it on the environment, um, you know, basically economic climate and having so much of their market is now overseas. And that suddenly suffered from currency headwinds of just bad exchange rates. Apple is also going after India and going after India is not going to be easy because, you know, they're going to have requirements. Well, they try to sell reconditioned iPhones in India. I guess the political climate said, we won't let you do that because they're reconditioned. We have to sell new ones, but the new ones are expensive and only a small number of people in India have the money yet. But, you know, a few years hence, this is a play for the future. Things will be better and Apple may have more development labs and maybe someday build stuff in India. So that's the beginning of something but it's being played by the media as, well, arrogant Apple goes to India and they try to show their servitude or something because Tim Cook is being polite and respectful towards the people who invited him. Now, that's just being decent, being a mensch, as we say in Brooklyn. Yeah, and you know, it wasn't too long ago that people were constantly sharing their opinion that nobody in China had any money and that, you know, you're these poor people in China needed to get a 
Xiaomi phone or Meizu or one of the local companies that was selling phones for cheaper, there's a huge number of rich people in China. And Apple didn't kind of blindly stumble into the market. I mean, they really looked at it and they started changing their own products to make them more attractive to the Chinese market. And they started doing really well. And last year they showed definitively that the Chinese market is huge. And year over year, it's hard to compare with launching iPhone 6. And the, you know, the iPhone 6S is kind of a smaller cadence of jump, but it maintained a similar level of sales. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, I think you should be careful in criticizing Apple and what they're doing in comparison to everybody else, because Apple has been so consistently outmaneuvering everyone else in the industry for so long that, you know, you have to have some humility before you criticize the company, but you know, there's a lot of things that can be criticized about Apple, but you know, you have to be careful not to be too quick to say that they're morons that don't know what they're doing because they're performing much better than anyone else in the industry has ever performed. Well, you have that, of course. Daniel Aaron Dilger, please tell our listeners where we can find more of your stuff. My Twitter feed is at Daniel Aaron, E-R-A-N, and I'm writing on Apple Insider. I've written some stuff about Google I.O. and some kind of looking forward to WWDC pieces. Um, I have some more stuff to write about that. And then, of course, WWDC is kind of ne- coming up next month, so there'll be a lot of stuff coming out there. It'll be interesting to watch. Daniel, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gene. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. The best kept secret in the firearms business is CDNNSports.com. CDNN Sports is the largest firearms liquidator in the U.S. We've got optics, accessories, gun parts, magazines, ammunition, and more. Sign up for our email specials today for the best gun deals, period. You will also be entered to win a Winchester 101 field shotgun. Go to Charlie, Delta, November, NovemberSports.com. That's CDNNSports.com. Worried about lead, fluoride, and other contaminants in your drinking water? Get a ProPure with the Pro1G 2.0 cleanable reusable filter and remove up to 200 contaminants. Drink water the way nature meant it to be. Clean, crisp, and refreshing. See the complete line of ProPure products, including the new ProMax shower filter. There's a ProPure for you. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shopped the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop. You save. 
Get full details in the example policy at slowquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors not available in all states. Fresh Liquid Way was so valuable to the improvement of health that in the 1800s, there were 160 spas set up in Germany, Switzerland, and Austria to dispense Fresh Liquid Way to the sick and aged. The results were restored health and a return of youth. Fresh Liquid Way supplies the most easily digested of all proteins and ranks higher in protein value than the egg. Unfortunately, the current methods of processing whey causes proteins to twist, fold, and become denatured. This makes them non-functional in the body. Like a lock and key, proteins do not work in the body unless they retain the shape that nature gave them. We at Synergistic Nutrition believe that our technological enhancements restore the protein structures of our whey to the shapes that nature originally gave them. The results that One World Whey has generated for so many, over several years now, testifies that One World Whey is producing very positive results. For a limited time, one or more of the flavors or sizes of One World Way are on sale. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call a place for mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. So we have a security update on the Tech Night Owl live and we've called our friend Dr. Timothy Summers, an ethical hacker to join us. Welcome back, Timothy. Thanks, Gene. Thanks for having me. Last time we talked, which was a few months ago, we were immersed in this Apple FBI controversy where Apple was being asked to provide like a custom version of iOS without the encryption protections. And that kind of resolved itself because the FBI found a way at a cost of what, over a million dollars to unlock this iPhone 5C? Yeah, that's about right. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty smooth. It's smoothed over, over pretty much now. Uh, essentially, there hasn't been any real publicity about the Apple FBI uh, debacle, you know, as it were. And, and, and really, we've kind, of, uh, we've kind of moved on from there. Shortly thereafter, though, Microsoft did launch a, a lawsuit against the government. However, that was um, mostly located in Washington state. So it didn't really catch the headlines the way that the Apple FBI situation did. Let's talk briefly about Microsoft. What were they doing? What did they want? 
Well, Microsoft's concern was that the U.S. government, so, so we all know that the cloud is huge and everyone you know, is using the cloud, and we hear that term all the time, which is quite a bit of a misnomer because, uh, you know, of course, there is no data sitting in a, in a cloud. <laughs> but in essence, the government subpoenas data, customer data, from Microsoft and other companies like Microsoft all the time. And uh, those subpoenas sometimes have no time limits on them, which mean that uh, Microsoft or whatever company owns the cloud is uh, essentially forever forbidden from letting the customer know that, hey, the government's been looking at your data. And Microsoft felt that uh, that's unconstitutional. So they launched a suit against the government for that. So where does that stand now? <laughs> it hasn't made very much movement. Uh, I mean, other than the fact that they launched the suit, there really hasn't been uh, much more movement since then. I believe there's been a couple of blogs on Microsoft's blog, uh, blog posts, but that's about it. Uh, the government really hasn't issued any uh, very many public statements about it. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of publicity about it at all. In fact, when I talked to a journalist at a major publication about it recently, their response was, yeah, but that was just in Washington State, so it's not really national news. <laughs> so this is a state lawsuit or a federal lawsuit? It's a state lawsuit right now. So does that have a chance of going federal? If it goes federal, we'll see it. I mean, yeah. I don't want to think that the state of Washington is somewhere in the backlands or something. I mean, it's a major place, but... Right, it is interesting right. that we're looking to the news from Washington, D.C., not from Washington State. If it makes it federal, it's going to be big. You know, we just have to see how, the, how Washington State, you know, lets it play out. Because if you remember, uh, one of the situation that happened with the Apple FBI situation, and of course, you know, this FBI decided to use the San Bernardino case as an example, and that case took place in California, right? And so the, the judge out there who said, hey, Apple should have to help the FBI, that was a California court decision. But then Apple said, well, hey, look, you know, there's precedent in other states where the judge said that this is not constitutional, and that was in New York. And so that's why it had to go to a federal level at that point, because then it's like, well, hey, you know, you've got judges in multiple states disagreeing on this issue. Where does the Supreme Court stand on this? And the Supreme Court could vote 4-4 and just send it right back to the lower courts. Exactly, exactly. We're still waiting to hear what's going to happen with the Microsoft deal. Now, in terms of the cloud in general, Apple obviously has large iCloud service, Amazon cloud services. That's like the major player in the industry when it comes to getting access to cloud services. A lot of businesses use Amazon. So where does that go? Right. And so here we are, right? That's, that's exactly Microsoft arg Microsoft's argument. I mean, these, these cloud providers are being subpoenaed often, very, very, very often. In fact, I happen to know for a fact that the government subpoenas these guys, uh, you know, every six months or so, uh, and for very large chunks of data. So, you know, at that point, the government is essentially able to look at pretty much anyone's data they want without, any, without a warrant. Um, and so, so therein is, is one of the questions. And so really the fundamental question here is, you know, is a man's data part of his castle, even if it is in the cloud? Uh, you know, the way we say that, you know, a man's home is his castle, you know, it, you know it, it, if his data was in his home, in his bio cabinet, that would be a part of his castle, correct? So then the question is, well, does that extend to the cloud? So does a person have a conceivable right or expectation that their data 
in their little cubby in Amazon's cloud is theirs and that the government needs a warrant to get access to that. And that's, that's really where the conflict is. Now, one thing here, of course, is a lot of us also use cloud-based backup systems. So, for example, exactly. my files are located at a cloud-based service that I shall not mention and also on my local hard drives. So am I protected or can the FBI, if they decide Gene Steinberg or my companies have something they need to get, can they use they as a search you. warrant extended to my cloud accounts? They can subpoena your records from whoever your provider is at the, at the current. And uh, they can put a gag order on that subpoena, basically saying that that cloud provider cannot tell you that the government has been looking at your data. So literally speaking, they could be looking at the cloud now for any of us. That's exactly right. And nobody's going to know it. The backup service is not going to tell you. And do they have policies, these companies? We're talking about Carbonite and Crash Plan and these various services that provide low-cost monthly backup services or annual backup services. Right. Dropbox, right. Right, Dropbox. So somebody wants my Hightail file or my Dropbox files. Do they have any way to prevent that access? Or is if the government feels they have a reason, they can go grab anything they want. You know, we ran into the situation with Apple where the thing that blocked them was the fact that the files were encrypted locally by the hardware. And therefore, they need Apple's cooperation to decrypt. But the files in the cloud, backup, and so forth, they're not generally encrypted, are they? Well, they, well, in some cases, they are. But here's the thing. If Dropbox, or whoever the cloud provider is, has the access to the keys, then it doesn't really matter. So as long as they can grab your files and see your files, even if they are encrypted, if they have the back door, and that was, of course, the argument with Apple and the FBI, that in a sense, Apple was being asked to create a back door. So how safe are these backup systems? Because it kind of takes us to that. These cloud storage systems for the individual user, are they hackable by people in your business who are not ethical? Well, they're they're pretty they're relatively safe from you know individual hackers, but uh, they're not safe from the government. So the government's hackers can get in there, <laughs> but uh, they have a relatively high security in some cases. They even use uh, two-factor authentication, which makes it even harder for independent hackers. Um, but that's no match for government hackers because all they have to do is uh, issue a subpoena. Now, in passing, I know this is not a security question. As you see, Microsoft is kind of unloading its smartphone business, little by little, piece by piece. Do you feel sad that the Windows phone is going to go by the way of the dodo bird in a very short period of time? We'll have you answer that question in our next segment, okay? In the meantime, I want to remind you that we've got a special feature of the show called Tech Night Out Plus. Go to plus.technightout.com, P-L-U-S.technightout.com. We're competing with the dogs today, ladies and gentlemen. We've got someone, a neighboring building where they've got five or six dogs that occasionally have a debate. Maybe one of them is pretending to be Donald Trump, and they have these debates. In any case, to learn more about our premium version of the show without the ads, go to plus.technightout.com. Plus.technighthowl.com. 
We've got Dr. Timothy Summers. More to come on the other side. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Are your Google search results killing you? Unflattering content in blogs, news articles, online reviews, social media, or other sources can jeopardize your reputation, your business, and your livelihood. Let Reputation.com help. Our patented technology will make the truth about you more visible while pushing down unwanted negative content. Improve your Google search results. Call Reputation.com at 1-800-831-0771 for a free consultation. That's 800-831-0771. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Would you like to receive $250 to $1,000 cash per day? Go to richmoneyrich.com. No website, no selling, no explaining. Just take these simple two steps and go to richmoneyrich.com. You can be generating cash in the next 24 hours simply using this system. Good news is it runs on 100% autopilot, and you don't need any experience to get started. It's easy. Get your share of easy riches and go to richmoneyrich.com. That's richmoneyrich.com. Go now. Brought to you by the conservative investor. Current returns not indicative of future results. This is a life-changing message for anyone with sleep apnea who is on the go and tired of dragging around a big, bulky home CPAP device. MiniCPAP.com now offers a portable device that's as small as a soda can and weighs less than a pound. For even more freedom, you can add a battery that's as tiny as a deck of cards. It's called the Transcend Mini CPAP, and right now you can try it risk-free for 10 days by calling 1-800-945-9289. Transcend is the world's first portable mini CPAP device. It gives you the freedom to sleep in total comfort anywhere you are. Our smallest and most advanced portable design ever. Transcend is so small and so light you can fit it in your briefcase or purse to use anywhere you go. It's FAA compliant too, so you can even sleep comfortably while flying. Enjoy the freedom to sleep comfortably anywhere. Call miniCPAP.com now for your 10-day at-home trial. 1-800-945-9289. That's 1-800-945-9289. 
So you've got to take a state construction license exam or certification. Can't decide on what books or what chapters to study? Discover right now how you can eliminate unnecessary books and wasted study time. At ContractorExam.com, our study materials zero in on state-required test topics in an effective, multiple-choice format. So whether you're a plumber, electrician, general contractor, or other construction-related trade, ContractorExam.com will help get you prepared. Visit us at www.ContractorExam.com today. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. So Dr. Timothy Summers joining us with a security update. We've got a lot more to talk about, but just very briefly, I, I gather from talking to you in the past, you have Android smartphones mostly, right? That is correct. So what do you think about Microsoft basically losing the ball game? Right now it's what, 97% is Apple and Google, and the remaining 3% is Microsoft and BlackBerry and whoever? You know, it, it really doesn't disappoint me very much. Um, you know, I, I figured that that would happen anyway. And I think most people in the tech industry felt that. There are some people out there who are huge Windows Phone uh, proponents, but uh, it's a very small number of folks, and they usually work for Microsoft. <laughs> so it doesn't make altogether that big a difference, other than the fact that there are people in Finland who are going to be looking for new jobs. This is true. This is true. Now, on, on the unfortunate side of things, it does really question Microsoft's ingenuity in the mobile space. I figure that we'll begin to see Microsoft try to play a much larger role in the software aspect of the mobile um, industry. Well, the big thing, of course, here is that Microsoft has built apps now for iOS, is building apps now for Android. So it doesn't matter what platform you're using, you can still go ahead and get the Microsoft product. So they're making money either way. Right, right. You know, my personal or professional opinion, rather, is that I think Microsoft should have never gotten into the mobile space in the first place, primarily because by producing software for other platforms, they ended up cannibalizing themselves. And Microsoft's never been very good at producing hardware. Um, even when they produced the Xbox, it was plagued with problems. The first two generations were plagued with problems. Um, they finally started to get it right, with their Xbox One, which still has some issues. So we haven't, you know, Microsoft doesn't really have a great track record in terms of dealing with hardware, but, you know, they do software. And they, I, I would argue, it's arguable whether or not they do it well, but they do it well enough that most of us use their products and it's a household name. So at that point, you know, one really could have made the argument, you know, 10 years ago <laughs> or longer, that Microsoft should have just stayed in the software space, even in terms of mobile. And they probably would have had a much larger market share in the mobile software space than they do now. Well, also look at the thing this way. The Xbox lost billions of dollars over the years before it became profitable. And they'll never make that money back except it's a tax deduction. So no matter how successful the Xbox is, it's never going to be made back. 
Also, we have the Surface tablets. And what that does is that one or two million they sell every quarter, that sales taken away from PC makers who are having a difficult enough time. That's precisely right. And they seem to be having some success with the, with the Surface tablets. Well, it depends on your numbers. I mean, they're not hitting numbers that Apple hits. Apple sells more iPad Pros than Microsoft sells Surface tablets, and the iPad Pro is only two models out of a larger lineup for the iPad. So even though iPad sales are down, Apple is still doing way, way, way better than Microsoft. Right. Gene, you're absolutely right. And one of the issues with the Surface tablets is that they're still incredibly expensive in comparison. You can get a Surface tablet for about the price of a MacBook Pro, and that is Apple's premium notebook computer. And I can't imagine that anybody would think that a Surface tablet, and I know they start at a much lower price, but I'm talking about fully outfitted. I don't know anybody who would think those are comparable to a MacBook Pro. And the other thing to point out also is that in terms of Windows notebooks, they're more expensive, as you're saying. I mean, right now you can get a Windows notebook, pretty decent one, for like five, $600. Right. You see, right. Apple is not playing in that arena. Apple plays towards the premium notebook market. Let's move past that. Let's get back to some subjects about security. So we have here a reference in your notes from your very nice communications person about this recent film with George Clooney and Julia Roberts called Money Monster. And the subject is hackers in film. Now, I know in the summer blockbuster space, everybody's talking about the fact that Batman v Superman didn't do as well as expected, that the new Captain America Civil War has been the big movie. But Money Monster has done fairly well. Did you like it? Actually, it's a pretty good film. Um, I thought the, you know, I won't spoil it for anyone, but some of the the writing was sketchy, but, but the film overall was actually pretty good. So the point is here is that we have films, popular films about hackers. Tell me more. Well, essentially... It means that you're a heroic character, my friend. <laughs> right, right. And so... Essentially, in, in many of the films that are coming out now, we're starting to see hackers play very instrumental roles. Um, there have been a few films, and I won't mention any names, I have to not spoil any of them, um, where they're trying to solve a, a big problem, uh, whether it's a financial problem or whether it's a you know, nuclear power problem or a nuclear war problem. And they end up having to call the hackers to, to help them solve a part of the puzzle that they couldn't figure out. Um, we even saw hacking play an important role in the, uh, the last James Bond film. Um, and so it's becoming a, an, emergent, it's an emergent trend where we're seeing hackers actually be uh, on the good side, the good guys. And, well, and that's re- so we're starting to see hackers play a role as, as the good guys. And so that really is uh, becoming an emergent theme here that, uh, that we're taking note of. Now, a lot of films that you wouldn't think of have hackers in heroic roles. Like, for example, do you remember the film 
True Lies, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Remember the team of agents he was with, not just him and Tom Arnold, but the third guy was a computer hacker. And he's there, right. he's doing their work, he's helping them, he's part of the team. In fact, in one scene, he's taking a photo or movie of this terrorist who is holding Arnold Schwarzenegger's movie Daughter Hostage. And look up what her name is, because she became famous in some Joss Whedon films later on. But So, that guy plays a heroic role where he's got a camera and behind the camera is a gun where he shoots some of the villains. I mean, that's the computer hack. He's an heroic guy. And if you look at a lot of films there, you know, it's always, you know, quite often it's the nerd. It's that little nerdy guy. And he sits behind the computer, but suddenly he does something. He breaks into something. He gets information. He does something heroic. Like in the TV series, what was it? Nikita was on for several years. And one of the stars of that film was the computer hacker. Oh, by the way, he's also the star of a sci-fi series called 12 Monkeys. But, you know, so he got a big role. But you see my point here. I mean, a lot of it is exaggerated, though. Because in True Lies, for example, the password to some place is encrypted. It'll take a few minutes to get through that, folks. In the real world, it takes a lot more than a few minutes, doesn't it? Absolutely. Sometimes it can take as many as a couple of days or months, depending on the level of encryption. But if you have an hour and 45-minute movie, you can't do that. Absolutely not. (laughs) And uh, to be quite frank, uh, decrypting someone's encrypted password is not as glamorous as they make it seem in the film. The other film that was about hackers was Sneakers. Robert Redford film. Exactly. Mission Impossible. Actually, one of my favorite representations of hacker is uh, Luther Stickle, uh, because he doesn't, uh, he doesn't look like your normal hacker. Um, you can even look at, uh, there was a B-rated movie called The Core with uh, Aaron Eckhart and uh, Hilary Swank, and uh, there was a hacker in that one as well. He was helping them get to the core of the earth to get the engine restarted. Uh, there's, it's, it's been, it's been, you can go on and on. Even the, one of the hit shows on TV these days, Mr. Robot, all about hacking, all about hackers. Um, now that by the way, is coming back for its second season and we'll get into more of this in the next segment. I urge everyone to watch it. It's a pretty gritty kind of show and it's a little bit more explicit than network television because it's on the USA network, but you really want to see it. We've got ethical hacker, Dr. Timothy Summers. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. 
If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So we're talking about heroic hackers in film. I mean, I mean, a lot of the times the hackers... The type you have is some nerdy guy or gal in glasses or something. Or speaking of hackers, the comic book sci-fi series on the CW, Arrow. Oh, right, right. Felicity Smoke, who, by the way, is a beautiful woman. See her take off her glasses. But she sits there and she doesn't have a superpower, except with her fingers. She can save the world. She was saving the world in the last few episodes of the season to prevent nuclear holocaust. Heroic character. An important member of these teams. Now, one series didn't do as well as some expected CSI Cyber. Remember that? Uh, yeah, that yeah, that was a disappointment. <laughs> what didn't you like about it? Or was it just because it didn't succeed? Most people in the cybersecurity uh, industry did not like that show very much at all because it was just so Hollywood and so over the top that People just thought that it was misrepresentative of what, what we actually do. In, in what respect do you see that, that you felt was over the top and not accurate? Well, you know, you know for example, if we talk about what they do in, in, in movies and film, and, you know, we're talking about the decrypting the passwords, right, and things like that, CSI Cyber almost reminds me of the way films about hacking used to be, where, you know, you could hack into something just by plugging it into a computer. If you want to hack the computer, just plug this USB uh, key in there, and it'll it'll just open it up. It'll unlock everything you need. Um, and then so CSI Cyber kind of had some of those similar feelings and elements to it. I can't speak for the you know for the entire cyber industry, but I can say just from my own personal experience, those are some of the takeaways. And so if you compare CSI Cyber to Mr. Robot, you ask any cybersecurity professional, they'll all say that. Mr. Robot definitely has a stronger level of authenticity than uh, than CSI Cyber. 
Bear in mind that the title character in Mr. Robot technically doesn't exist. He's a figment in the minds of the lead player, who I guess is schizophrenic. He hears and sees things. Now, that's the big reveal towards the end of the season, okay? We didn't know that, that he sees this character who is his dead father, who hangs out with him, I guess. Right, hangs out with him, giving him advice. (laughs) And he's, like, talking to himself, and finally you realize, you know, something that we see in film and TV series where they're talking to somebody and actually... That person doesn't exist. Like in Limitless, when he take that drug, and it's, by the way, Limitless TV show is not being renewed. Sorry about that. In Limitless, he takes that drug that enhances his brain power. He sees multiple versions of himself posing different solutions. Oh, by the way, another show where the computer hacker or expert plays a big role, believe it or not, the new TV series that was on CBS last season, CW this coming season, Supergirl, Winshot. The young guy who has the hots for Supergirl. He's a computer guy. Mm. You know, he's a computer hacker. He was fighting the villain, the blue-skinned Indigo, where she reached her hand through the computer, and as he was typing the code, she was trying to strangle him with her hand coming through the computer screen. And he said, you're just Windows Vista, and then he dispatches her. So there we go. They're everywhere, and they're heroic. So, Gene, I, I think I may have misheard you. Did you say that Limitless wasn't being renewed? Limitless is not being renewed, no. Oh, wow, okay. Limitless, of course, is based on the Bradley Cooper movie, where they bring in another guy who takes that drug and opens up his mental powers. Bradley Cooper appeared in the movie role in several episodes over the season, and he's part of the story. It's not like someone else plays the role or anything. That guy who was executive producer was part of the story. Had decent ratings. And the new guy, his handler, was the woman who played Dexter's sister. Remember that? Okay. Jennifer Carpenter. Jennifer Carpenter. And she was good. She was funny. She was cute in the series. And I enjoyed it. It was produced by CBS Studios, which meant, of course, the network owned the show, which isn't always true. So, you know, when they don't own the show, it costs more to bring it out. Like Criminal Minds, for example, is owned by ABC Studios. And, of course, Supergirl was owned by Warners. But in this case, I thought they'd bring it back. And what happened towards the end is they were trying to shop it to another network. It didn't happen. No, Gene, you're actually touching on something that I'm really interested in here. When I was doing my doctoral research on hackers, I actually did a timeline of hacker films as a point of reference of how society viewed hackers. So this is something I'm really interested in. Are are there any other shows out there that you think uh, are representative of of a hacker as a hero, the hero hacker, so to speak? Well, even in the TV series The Flash, one of the characters Ah, there is working on a computer, and they're using that computer to find all the meta-humans that The Flash has to go after. That's right. And they're going through different dimensions and doing all that. But there is always somebody there. Each of the CW superhero series has some kind of hacker in there Mm. doing an heroic thing and a heroic character. And you see that. And they're really glorifying you people. And that's good. Now, in the old days, as you say, the hacker was the evil guy who take control of a computer and steal stuff. When did the hacker, and you did the thesis on this, you know this more than I do, 
when did the hacker in the movies or TV become a member of the team or an heroic character all by himself or herself? Yeah, you know, we really started to see hackers take different role. So, so I broke down hackers in terms of generations, and uh, I would say that the the first generation of hackers really looked like the guys in, you know, the, the war games kind of, um, you know, in fact, they actually were a little bit different, but it was still that sort of curiosity I fell into understanding how this machine works kind of thing. Now, where hacking really started to, hackers really branched off and broke off into different uh, sort of subcultures is with the generation of Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, those guys, because they were the first to actually start selling their hacks. Uh, whereas before that, everyone just gave them away. It wasn't really anything people saw as a as a way to make a profit. And and then of course, you know, with the cyberpunk and neuromancer kind of uh, sub movements as well. So we were still seeing hackers as being thieves and villains at that point. You know, it was almost almost like a you know a villain having a British accent. You know, if you if you made the person a hacker, it made them incredibly scary. So once we started moving into I would say that a really pivotal film was Black Hat uh, with, I believe that's Chris Hemsworth, uh, the gentleman who played Thor, because it, it gave a completely different view of hackers. I mean, of course, uh, it was one of the first times where they actually selected a, you know, sort of a Hollywood heartthrob as a hacker, because prior to that, every time you ever saw a hacker, it, it wasn't the most attractive person. It was, as you said, it was a more of a nerd or a geek. Black Hat was the first time we actually started seeing hackers that were ripped and, you know, and, and, and you know, and brolic. Whereas, you know, prior to that, we didn't see that. And, and it was really in films like Black Hat and some shows. We really have to give some credit to the TV shows because the TV shows were showing hackers as part of the team before the films were. But Mission Impossible was a perfect example. Uh, I have to give Tom Cruise some credit here. Of course, Mission Impossible is, is sort of his franchise, really. You know, we saw hackers as part of the team there uh, with Luther Stickle. Um, we also saw hackers as a part of the team in a lot of B-rated films like The Core, uh, as I mentioned earlier. And the gentleman that they choose to play the hacker in that role is a gentleman by the name of DJ, DJ Qualls. And uh, he's incredibly geeky-looking, very lanky, very skinny. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, so it was films like those where we started to see hackers play more of a role on the team. And, and they really started in B-films first. And uh, the trend sort of picked up in the, the more A-list films. And, of course, in Sneakers, the villain is Ben Kingsley. Exactly, exactly. And the Shakespearean actor. Of course, Ben Kingsley also, if you watch his films, can be incredibly funny. Yes, you know. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of... I think of Ben Kingsley uh, in a similar uh, place as uh, pa- uh, Patrick Stewart, uh, who also is very much a Shakespearean actor uh, and sometimes plays does comedy. <laughs> Indeed. In any case, we got Dr. Timothy Summers on for three more segments. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. 
First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. InjuryHelpDesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. This is Dan Pillett. Do you have the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpillett.com. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Join me, George Norrie, at Joshua Tree, California, June 3rd through the 6th for the Contact in the Desert UFO Conference, a weekend of exploration into ancient aliens, human origins, crop circles, UFO sightings, and new evidence of ongoing contact. Featuring Graham Hancock, Giorgio Sukalos, David Wilcock, David Childress, Doc Wallach, and Eric Von Donneken, and so many more. For information, go to contactinthedesert.com, contactinthedesert.com, or 760-365-8371. A good stove is at the top of the list for any serious survivalist. That's why you have to see the full range at Emberlit.com. Simple, elegant, but extraordinarily efficient. Available in titanium or stainless steel, the Emberlit line of stoves are ultralight, pack flat, and work great. Fueled only by sticks and debris. From emergency situations to long-term survival, Emberlit stoves are up to the task. Emberlit, the most convenient, easy-to-carry wood stoves on the planet. See them all at Emberlit.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. 
A lot of times we like to cover pop culture here on the Tech Night Out Live. We got Dr. Timothy Summers, ethical hacker, who did a thesis covering the hackers in film and TV shows. So that becomes really fascinating. Oh, by the way, Sneakers also featured Dan Aykroyd, Sidney Portier, River Phoenix. River Phoenix, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Great film, by the way. One of my favorites. So you can catch that's from 1992. Also, another film where the hacker was successful is, remember the Jeff Goldblum character in Independence Day? Of course. Right. And that's, by the way, there is a new Independence Day, a sequel that's coming this June. In any case, in the original, he takes his Apple PowerBook and somehow interfaces with the alien locust computer and sends them a virus. Now, as a practical matter, it's ridiculous. But in the film, it was great. And that, it would be ridiculous unless the, uh, the aliens had USB on their, on their ships. <laughs> I was thinking more of Wi-Fi. This is the early days, the earliest days of Wi-Fi, where right, it right. connects wirelessly to the alien computer. Imagine that, wirelessly connecting to a computer from creatures from another planet. I mean, that's got to show some expertise. They just happen to be using uh, the same uh, radio signal standards. (laughs) Well, the film, by the way, the sequel is called Independence Day Resurgence. All right. So, of course, Jeff Goldblum is back in the film. Yeah, Will Smith isn't, I don't think, right? All right. Will Smith declined to be in the sequel. I guess he doesn't like to do sequels except for Men in Black. But Right. The character who is the grown-up version of his son in the first film ah, appears in okay. the sequel. All right? So that's, that's the difference. And, of course, his girlfriend appears in the new film. So just, just to point that out. Also, another person in the film is Liam Hemsworth, who is the younger brother of Thor. Okay. Right. So Thor's brother will be in this one. Thor's brother, <laughs> who, by the way, I think has almost as much box office as his brother because he did Hunger Games. Ah, uh, that's right, he did. Uh, but I don't remember which character he played in Hunger Games, do you? Yes, Gale Horthorn. Ah, okay, 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 now I remember him. Okay, not a computer hacker. Not a computer hacker, no, no. No, sorry about that. He didn't make it. Now, the funny thing about it here is that we go back to the Mission Impossible movie where they use this computer, an Apple PowerBook. That was the most troubled Apple PowerBook ever. It was the 5400 series, and I had one of those. And I sent it back to Apple six times to fix things. So much for that. Chris, didn't affect the hacker's ability, if you must know. Six times, Dean. That's a lot. Well, you know what was funny here? Part of the problem was that there was a, I guess, an adhesive used to adhere the LCD display to ah. the back. And we kept leaking at the bottom oh, of the screen. You see this leaking substance, like it's the blob or something or some alien thing. The Blob being, of course, a 1950s film that had nothing to do with computer hackers. Excellent film nonetheless, though. Yes, Beware of the Blob. There's a song (laughs) like that, Beware of the Blob, It Creeps, 
and leaps and glides and slides across the floor right through the door. I'm just guessing. But they actually had a song called The Blob. And they remade it like 20, 30 years later. Let's get back to the hackers. So the hackers have become heroic characters. They're part of the team. They're part of doing good work. But still, there's a tendency here that the hacker who works for the good side, like Felicity Smoke, they are former hackers who work as black hats. Yes, yes. They're reformed. Right, right. Like, like myself here, Gene. <laughs> we are reformed. Um, in fact, it's, it's really interesting that Whenever I um, uh, am introduced on many shows as an ethical hacker, uh, people just sort of get this puzzled uh, look, and they say, so what exactly is that? <laughs> uh, but, but most hackers have started, um, you know, you had to understand how to break into systems in order to understand how to protect them. Um, it's, you know, it's the same, same sort of concept if you remember the, actually a perfect hacker movie, Gene, um, Catch Me If You Can, Leonardo DiCaprio. Not so much focused on computers as much as hacking the uh, banking and check system. Exactly, exactly. But, but an excellent film nonetheless. And, uh, you know, perfect example, uh, you know, Frank Abagnale uh, was, um, you know, uh, was stealing money with uh, checks, writing fake checks. And um, he learned how the checking system worked so incredibly well uh, that he became one of the world's foremost experts on it. And, uh, and eventually ended up working for the FBI uh, to catch uh, other counterfeiters. Now, remember, and this so, is based on a real person. Right, this right. This, this is based on a real person. Frank Abagnale is, uh, is still working for the FBI to this day. How is the real guy differ from the guy portrayed in the film? Well, um, yeah, so here's the thing. I mean, for the most part, the story is pretty on point. I, I mean, of course, you know, it's Hollywood, so they, um, you know, they dram, uh, dramatize a few things. But, but um, for the most part, he's the same guy. I mean, he started out, um, you know, playing around and learning how, uh, how checks worked. Um, and, uh, said, well, Hey, you know, I mean, this is pretty simple. I mean, it's some, uh, some special paper with some, you know, coming out of a special printer. If I got a, one of these printers, can I order one? Oh, I can order one. Well, let me try this. Um, and it's the same way that some hackers learn how the credit card systems work and said, Oh, well, can I make my own credit card? Can I, you know, write data to my own magnetic script? Oh, I can. Okay. Well, can I copy some data from someone else's credit? It's the same process. Now, we forgot one hit TV series. This is one of the more popular procedurals on CBS, Scorpion, Walter O'Brien. Now, in here, of course, Walter O'Brien is kind of a heavy-set guy when you see his picture. Here he's a slim guy. And this is a team of geniuses who come together with Robert Patrick as a Homeland Security agent who is kind of managing what they do. And this is probably the first time Robert Patrick, by the way, has played a happy-go-lucky kind of guy with a sense of humor that is like everybody's friendly uncle or father. You know, he plays kind of a father figure here. And, of course, Robert Patrick always was a grim character. He played in Terminator 2. He was one of the Terminators. 
and he played an agent on X-Files, but the series is Scorpion. I'm going to ask you about Walter O'Brien in a moment. We have Dr. Timothy Summers, ethical hacker. Maybe they'll make a movie about him. This is the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Worried about lead, fluoride, and other contaminants in your drinking water? Get a ProPure with the Pro 1G 2.0 cleanable reusable filter and remove up to 200 contaminants. Drink water the way nature meant it to be clean, crisp, and refreshing. See the complete line of ProPure products, including the new ProMax shower filter. There's a ProPure for you. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P R O P U R U S A.com. My dad was 59 when he collapsed from a heart attack late last year. Just this past August was when we spread his ashes on the St. Croix River. I loved my dad, but boy was he stubborn. He hadn't been to the doctor in over 25 years. His excuse? He simply couldn't afford it. He wasn't a rich man by any means. At less than $107 per month, libertyoncall.org would have been the perfect alternative for my father. Don't wait. Go to libertyoncall.org right now for not just your sake, but for the sake of your loved ones. Again, that's libertyoncall.org. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shopped the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at slowquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors not available in all states. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich? Working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? Do you hate spending hundreds of dollars every week on daycare? Having someone else raise your children? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. At Be The Boss Network, you'll find hundreds of work-from-home opportunities that you can literally start today and be earning money as soon as next week. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss. Get out of the rat race. Work from home. Go to freedom106.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom106.com. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom106.com. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. 
To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call a place for mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. On the Tech Night Isle Live, we're talking about security, now focusing on hackers and film and TV or Reformed Hackers, with Dr. Timothy Summers, an ethical hacker. So, Walter O'Brien, what's the real guy like? Well, you know, I, I haven't met Walter O'Brien, but I've heard many uh, stories about him. And um, I've, I've worked with some folks who have worked with him, and they, they all claim that he's incredibly brilliant. I actually, to be, to be completely frank, I've actually never heard anyone say anything uh, negative about him at all, actually. But uh, I think that that's kind of the running theme. You know, many times when you meet folks, you meet a lot of hackers who have uh, either started out as black hats and became white hats or that is uh, ethical hackers. Uh, many times, you know, people say a lot of the same things, you know, oh, you know, the guy was brilliant or she's brilliant. And I can understand why, how that happened, you know, and, and, and usually the folks who work with these people have had the, the, the pleasure and, and the privilege of hearing the person's story, how it happened, how did they get there? And, and that's really what can be very fascinating. For me, my own personal story started, I started hacking phone systems. That was really my, my, you know, my foray into, into hacking. Did they catch you? Uh, no, they didn't. But, uh, you know, once I joined the government, uh, I pretty much came clean about everything I'd done. Uh, you know, and it was, it was one of those situations where, actually, I, I, I didn't get caught for phone systems. I, I was... I wouldn't say caught, but I was definitely identified by an investigator for uh, for a um, a tech company. Uh, I hacked into the servers, and this investigator had basically been kind of keeping track of things that I was doing. Uh, fortunately, I hadn't been doing anything that was that they felt was you know so huge that they had to you know throw me in jail. <laughs> but it was it was uh, big enough that uh, the investigator came and uh, sought me out. <laughs> now. By the way, Steve Jobs in his early years, okay, and Steve Wozniak, they were building blue boxes. Yeah, that was Apple's first product. A blue box, by the way, was a way to access the phone system using the same tones that touchtone phones used. Those tones go right into the system and bypass the restrictions on long distance. So you could get a blue box and make unlimited long distance calls. Obviously today it doesn't mean anything because <laughs> you don't pay anything for long distance or you pay very little. But in those days, long distance calls were real expensive. And Gene, it, when I, by the time I came along and, and made my first blue box, it worked for all of about a year 
And then after that, the phone company had uh, instituted some new uh, technology and new protocols that uh, they didn't work at all anymore. But, but here's an interesting uh, tidbit for your listeners. So Apple's first product was the Blue Box. They sold it to college students. But do you know where Steve Wozniak, Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs got the instructions for building the Blue Box? It was actually an interview that was in Esquire magazine with John Draper, uh, or as we called him, Captain Crunch. Wow. And we, we called him Captain Crunch because uh, the whistle that he used to make the tones for the payphones came from a box of Captain Crunch cereal. All right. Oh, by the way, I was looking up Walter O'Brien as you we were talking. Now, imagine the guy who plays him on TV, who's British, by the way, doing an American accent. And the real Walter O'Brien is Irish. He was born right. in Ireland. And you imagine the guy on TV, just roughly speaking, you know, black hair, et cetera, et cetera. Now give him 50 pounds. <laughs> and that's the guy. That's Same the guy. guy. They're actually friends. The actor who plays him on TV and the real Walter O'Brien, they actually, you know, they talk a lot. Which is rare that, your, that the person who plays a character on TV based on a reality actually becomes friends with the original person. That must be interesting, sharing notes. But anyway, there we go. So if we're looking now, maybe give us some advice before we go to our final topic. If you want to see a movie about hackers, about the computer person being heroic, what should you look out for that's really, really an error that's commonly committed? One, of course, is the fact that you can break into a password, an encrypted password in five minutes or 42 minutes if it starts at the beginning of the episode and ends just before the closing credits. Other than that, what errors does Hollywood commit in telling the story of computer hackers? Well, you know, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a, a brief story here to explain what you just asked. Uh, I, was cons- I was asked by NBC Universal to consult on a TV show for the Sci-Fi Channel, and it was about hackers, and they wanted to basically take these lived experiences of hackers and um, basically remake them, kind of like a uh, bio biography kind of movie-esque way. And uh, one of the ways that the uh, producer described it to me, they said, well, we'll take your experience and we're going to make it, we're going to kind of like blend it with the Matrix meets Jason Bourne. And I said, okay, well... Whoa, 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 whoa. The Matrix <laughs> meets Jason Bourne. I, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, my first uh, response was, okay, but I don't dodge bullets. <laughs> so um, uh, I think Hollywood... There's a couple of places where Hollywood definitely makes a lot of mistakes. One, um, because uh, airtime on TV and on film is so expensive, they have to really conserve their time, um, which means that whenever they show something, it has to be incredibly condensed and be worth you know a billion words. Um, and so one of the things that we see is that when they're trying to represent hacking, they try to incredibly oversimplify it. So anytime you see someone just plug something in and press a few keystrokes and it just happens, uh, nine times out of ten, that is a complete farce. Um, another example is that um, 
that whenever you see them showing someone walking around town with a cell phone and they're just uh, able to hack into any and everything, that's also a complete farce. Uh, now, on the bright side, one area uh, about hackers today that is not a farce is that more and more hackers are starting to look like Chris Hemsworth. So, <laughs> so uh, many of us are actually into fitness, and uh, so that's uh, that's something that uh, on the on the positive side of things uh, is not necessarily a farce. <laughs> Oh, by the way, one thing genuine about Scorpion is you know the lead character, the Walter O'Brien character, and this former waitress who he has the hots for in the TV series. Okay? They're an item in real life. They actually go out together. You know, that happens so often nowadays where you see these two get together, like in The Americans. You have a show about two Russian spies pretending to be married and coming to America to do spy things. Those actors in real life are together. Same, same thing with Dexter. Uh, Jennifer Carpenter and the gentleman who played Dexter were, I believe they were married. For Briefly a, married. Year. And yeah. also, if you watch Once Upon a Time, the woman who plays Snow White and the person who plays Prince Charming, those pregnancies she had on TV, they were genuine, and he was the father. I think uh, they're married now, as a matter of fact. It doesn't always wow. work, though. You know, these show business relationships do not always work. But sometimes they do. So there you go. You know, just want to talk about that. We have one more topic I want to hit on here. Something about a situation involving Bangladesh and Swift. And that sounds like it's a story in and of itself. And we want to save that to our final segment. We wanted to cover it earlier, but... We love to cover pop culture on the Tech Night Out Live. And when somebody has an interest in movies and TV shows, especially when they have elements like this, genre elements, whatever, I just dig into it, you know. You know, I'm an old trivia kind of specialist. Not a specialist, I just get away with it. and like to watch those things on TV because they are just endless fun. What's endless fun so far has been our session with Dr. Timothy Summers. He is an ethical hacker. Not quite like the guys on TV, but maybe in some ways close. This is the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com 
This is an alert. If your business or church is building this year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. A general steel building can save you as much as half the cost and time of similar conventional construction. And we're offering rebates of up to $20,000 to help you build today. Call General Steel for free information that could save you thousands. Call 866-91-STEEL. 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 Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Joe Alton, MD of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family medical bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. That's store.doomandbloom.net. You'll be glad you did. Is negative content or comments on the web affecting your personal or professional reputation? Unfavorable comments, embarrassing pictures, videos, legal documents, and negative articles can ruin your personal life, your career, or your business. It happens a lot, and it's just not fair. But what can you do? ReputationDefender.com can help protect your good name. Get a free consultation now. Call 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Call right now for a free expert reputation analysis. It's easy to squash the unfair attacks with our patented system, and the analysis is absolutely free. Make the best things about you jump out in searches. Protect your personal and professional reputation, your business, and your income. Get your free reputation analysis from ReputationDefender.com right now. Call 800-831-0771. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com today. So I just finished my AR-15 pistol kit that I got at Guns80.com, and my wife says, no more guns, and then I call, and they tell me they have a Trump commemorative special, their new improved lower, and it's a beauty. Now, professionally engraved on the side of every one of the new improved lowers is Trump, make America great again. That's right, Trump, make America great again, right on the side of your brand new improved lower. Sorry, honey, I gotta have one. Guns80.com, the Trump special, ask for it. Guns80.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Dr. Timothy Summers, tell us what's been happening in Bangladesh. Well, as you know, some hackers almost made off with close to a billion dollars. You know, just that little thing, you know, nothing nothing too big. But essentially what happened there is uh, a group of hackers hacked into the SWIFT system, which is essentially the financial system that allows banks to do bank-to-bank financial transfers. Oh, boy. So you can just capture the money on its way. 
Oh, yeah. Or you can just specify how much money needs to be on its way. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened in this case. These hackers essentially wired some funds, a very large amount of funds in the neighborhood of about $100 million from one bank to another bank. They tried to do it again. And um, the way that they were stopped is that they accidentally misspelled the word foundation. And they spelled it foundation. And so one of the humans in the process picked up on that misspelling and said, huh, this is pretty interesting that they would misspell this in such a large transaction. And that's how the situation was caught in the first place. Isn't it interesting how criminals often will make a dumb mistake and get caught almost as if subconsciously that's what they wanted? <laughs> right. Okay, they still haven't caught the hackers. They stopped the transaction, but they haven't figured out who was doing it. Well, okay, so they made a mistake, but they can come back and do it elsewhere, or did they find a way to shore up the SWIFT system so it doesn't happen again? Well, so the hackers could, could pop up and do it again, but SWIFT is making lots of changes and trying to beef up security. Of course, uh, when companies and financial institutions and any kind of institution start to beef up security, really what that means is they're beefing it up after something bad has happened, and that's exactly the case here. These hackers almost, to, to use a... A uh, little bit of a pun here, like Bernie Madoff, they almost made off with a lot of money. <laughs> you know, you wonder about people who have names that kind of match what they do. Bernie Madoff. <laughs> and my wife used to have a gynecologist by the name of Dr. Hans. <laughs> I That's kid you not. Good. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> okay, so tell us more about the SWIFT system here. So this is interbank communication. Yeah, so it's, it's interbank communication. And uh, essentially, when one bank wants to make uh, a large transfer uh, to another, they use SWIFT. And SWIFT really is a, uh, I don't want to say it's like a command line interface, but, it, but it's very similar. And so, of course, hackers feel very at home with command line interfaces. And, of course, you know, when you have a system that has a, a series of command codes, you know, that is something that hackers do incredibly well. In this particular case, one has to believe that there must have been someone on the inside who managed to either provide the hackers with some of the knowledge that they needed to make this uh, heist happen, perhaps an insider. How often does that occur? How often do you have these big heists where they have to get somebody on the scene to actually accomplish the deed? Well, you know, a large heists, they happen right now. They've been happening at least once a year. This one is definitely... Uh, one of the largest ones. But Gene, you know, rest assured, um, as you know, I'm, I'm at the University of Maryland as a professor there, and we just launched a new site that we call WikiBreach, wikibreach.org, which will uh, basically inform the public about cyber breaches as they happen. So you'll have an opportunity to learn about these large heists as they happen. Does that help combat the problem or does it encourage? Is there a risk of encouraging hackers to say, hey, I can do better than that? What it does is it, it, it informs the public uh, because, to be quite frank, many consumers and members of the public and citizens are very unaware of breaches unless they're mentioned in the news. And there are about 90% of the breaches are not mentioned in the news. They are publicly available, but if you are not a customer of that 
company who was perhaps, you know, exposed by that breach, you may never know. Um, in fact, when Hyatt Hotels was hacked, I actually announced it on the news show that I was on. And uh, the interesting thing was that the newscaster said, wait, did you just say that Hyatt Hotels was hacked? And, and Hyatt actually had just announced that they were hacked about 30 minutes prior to the show. So it hadn't quite proliferated yet. Um, but if you're not a Hyatt Hotels uh, customer, or maybe you are a Hyatt Hotels customer, or maybe you are, and you just weren't exposed in that particular breach, or Hyatt doesn't think you were exposed in that particular breach, you might never know. So in essence, what we're doing here is we're informing the public about these breaches as they occur, because unfortunately, the media coverage is not enough to really show the population that, hey, these huge heists are happening. And uh, your average American is unaware of the SWIFT situation. They really don't even know what SWIFT does, and they don't know that these hackers made off with all this money. I used to have a bank account one of the largest banks in the U.S., and probably nine, ten months before this happened, some 70 million, you're now going to know which bank it was, it doesn't matter, I don't use it anymore, it's Chase Bank, J.P. Morgan Chase, some 70 million customer accounts were hacked. But when they do that, it doesn't always have a blowback immediately. Sometimes it happens months later that you find a problem. And it was maybe 10 months later that somebody tried to gain control of one of my bank accounts there. And it was a victim of an identity theft attempt. Now, they didn't inform their customers about this risk until it happened. I didn't lose any money. I will no longer do business with that bank. And obviously, they're not going to advertise with us now that I mentioned their name. And if any hackers out there want to find my money, what little I have of it, it is not a J.P. Morgan Chase. And it will never be a J.P. Morgan Chase. So there. But they didn't send me a notice saying, by the way, change your password, do this, do that, because of the hacking. Be careful, whatever. Didn't say a thing. Yeah. Depending on the states, they, they may not even be required to inform you. Well, in New York State, they certainly are. But I live in Arizona, so maybe that was part of it. They felt that maybe their customers in New York should be notified about this successful intrusion, but not necessarily here. I don't know. And, and Gene, one, one thing to keep in mind here, though, uh, and for, for your listeners, is that the companies are only required to tell you that the breach happened first if they suspect that any of your um, w- what's considered personal information is, is exposed. And so then each state has a different definition for what personal information is. I so would think example, my account number and a way to call the bank and pretend to be me, therefore I guess they need the last four of my social or something, I think that's more than enough information to enable my bank account to be hacked, and that's exactly what happened. And that's the case, right, where the account number if for some states and with some organizations is not considered personal information, whereas your full social security number, your address, those things are considered personal information, your mother's maiden name. However, if the organization has not, their investigation has not, quote unquote, turned up that your personal information was at risk, they're not required by law. My point being is that there's loopholes here about what they have to expose you to or what they have to communicate with you and what they don't. Timothy Summers, please tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff you do. 
you can find me at the University of Maryland College Park uh, in the iSchool uh, on Twitter at How Hackers Think, pretty much across all social media at How Hackers Think. You can find us on Twitter, too. Look for Tech Night Owl. Look for Tech Night Owl on Twitter. We have a second radio show all about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called the Powercast. At Powercast.com, that's Powercast, P-A-R-A, Powercast.com. This week will feature the so-called Dean of UFO Researchers, Stanton Friedman. We have a special feature of the show called the Tech Night Owl Plus at plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S dot technightowl.com. Check it out. We offer an ad-free version of this show. That's one that's free of network ads, better quality audio for a modest subscription fee. Our price cheap. Check out plus.technightowl.com. Dr. Timothy Summers, thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks for having me, Jim. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.